0: Uh, I'm going to apologize in advance. If you guys hear something that sounds like thunder, it's my stomach. Uh, I was tossing and turning all night, so I didn't, eat, I didn't eat anything this morning except an apple, and that just disintegrated the instant it touched my mouth. So um, so yeah, I just want to apologize if you hear It's me. Um, I also want to start off by saying that I'm trying to bring back a tradition here at Griffith First Christian. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Jim Rome's. Anybody remember Jim Rome's? All right, well, Jim Roms, while well, he would listen to a sermon, and instead of saying amen, he would say, preach it, yo. So if you agree with something that I've said, and if you feel, instead of saying amen, you could say, preach it, yo, shoot, that's fine. I encourage it. And uh, in fact, it'd be, it'd be awesome if you do that, because I'm pretty sure Ozark gives you extra credit for how many people you get to say, preach it, yo. So please, please give me extra credit, please. All right, so, man, it's going to be be hard to speak after that. It's going to be hard. All right, can we have the mission statement up there, please? We do this every Sunday. We can probably do this blindfolded. Do we have the mission statement? That's close. Oh, look at that. All right, the purpose of Griffith First Christian Church is to love God, love others, spread the gospel. Man, on fire already. Thank you! Well, okay, that's our mission statement. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it doesn't beat around the bush. Um, yeah, it's straight to the point. Man, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of churches, they like to like to add stuff to their mission statements. You know, they like to explain their mission statements. You know, it could read, uh, uh, the purpose of Griffith First Christian is to, one, love God. God loves us. And he is amazing. Number two, God loves, uh, or love others. We love God, and we will love others just as God loved us first. Three, spread the gospel. Through Christ's love for us, we're able to tell everyone about Jesus. That's just too long. No one's going to remember that. If we have to explain our mission statement, you know, whatever. It's simple. It's easy to remember, and it sounds good. So whether you're at the gym, whether you're at work, whether you're at the Wendy's drive-thru at 1 a.m., And someone asks you, hey, what's your church all about? You can reply without missing a beat. Loving God, loving others, and spreading the gospel. Preach it, y'all. But have you guys ever thought about the weight that those words carry? Have Have you prayed about it? Have you spent time in your quiet time with God? Or sat down and talked with someone about just the impact that these words have on us? Because this mission statement is really easy to say. But is it something we can say from our hearts with meaning and have actions to back it up? So today we're going to look at the mission statement. And we're going to find out how it applies to us as individuals and as a church body. So the third third statement is spread the gospel, or as it is sometimes called, the good news. So let's start from square one. And ask ourselves, what is the gospel? Ephesians 2 1 through 6 says, Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the powers of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of all who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature. And we were under God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so very much, that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by by God's special favor that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Jesus Christ. Romans 3 twenty three through twenty four says for all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. Just this past week we celebrated Easter. And for us, for Christians, Easter has nothing to do with the Easter bunny. It has nothing to do with dying Easter eggs. It has nothing to do with Easter baskets and Easter candy and that that nasty Easter grass that gets everywhere. And it has nothing to do with Easter ham, though it is delicious. Rather, it is a time for us to reflect on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Now those who hear and believe the good news and are baptized are able to have eternal life and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because of what Jesus did for us, man, that's not good news. Shoo, that's great news. Preach it, yo, that's right. So do your non-Christian co-workers know the gospel? How about your non-Christian friends? How about your non-Christian family members? I wonder I wonder if we counted how many opportunities we have in a day to tell someone about Jesus. I wonder how many we would have that we just passed up. Jesus spent three and a half years teaching and ministering and encouraging people everywhere to repent of their sins and to be baptized to receive eternal life. Surely you and I can spend three and a half minutes talking to one person. Now, I'm not suggesting that we grab a chair, a table, or a best friend and stand up on top of it and say, Hey! Jesus died for you! Accept him while you still can! It was supposed to be funny. Okay, that was. We need to preach the gospel at all times, but use words if necessary. We can be examples of Christ by living our lives in a way that pleases him. Because when when just life is terrible, we're having a bad day, when something rough is happening, or when something amazing happens, when when life is as good, man, people will watch us, people watch us. And especially non Christian people, they will watch how we react to these situations. And when they see us going through this with our head held high, they will be intrigued and they will ask, dude, what's up? And we will have the opportunity right there to spread the gospel. Oh, that's better. I could probably sing, but I'm not. The second statement, you don't want me to sing, is love others. Jesus associated himself with fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, religious leaders, farmers, the poor and the homeless, cripples, the deaf, the blind, the mute, the rich, those with leprosy, the paralyzed, Jews, Gentiles, Romans, Greeks, Pharisees, Sadducees, you name it. Jesus loved to be with people, and he spent lots and lots of time just teaching and healing many people. And one day while he was teaching, a Pharisee inquired as to which was the most important commandment of the law. Now, a Pharisee, you gotta, you got to understand, he probably wasn't curious. He was probably trying to trip Jesus up, trying to be sneaky sneaky, you know, because I'm I'm assuming that the Pharisee knew, but he wanted to see what Jesus would say. He would try to get him to counterdict the Bible. And Jesus replies in Matthew 22:37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is like it. Stop. Did you catch that? Because Jesus just said here that there is a, a commandment that is equal to or just important as loving God. And 99.999999999% of you know what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. The religious leader then inquired as to who his neighbor was. And often, as he does in the Bible, Jesus tells him a parable about a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was beaten and robbed and left for dead. That's terrible. After some time, a priest happened to be walking along the road. And I can only assume that he saw him from a distance because he saw the man laying there and went, oh, that man's in trouble, and crossed to the other side of the road and continued on his way. Next, a temple assistant, listen to this. This is, I think this is, I didn't even know this until I actually sat down and read this. A temple assistant was on the same road and he went over to look at the man. So here's what happened. Here's what happened. This temple assistant is walking, walking down the road, and all of a sudden, there's a dude right there. He's laying there. He looks bad. He looks like he just got, you know, he stepped in in between a fight between RoboCop and Rambo. Like, he looks bad. He looks bad. And instead of helping the man, since the temple assistant is already there, he he, he, he just stands there. He's like, uh, oh blood. Uh, someone should probably help that dude. And crosses to the other side of the road and goes on his merry way. But then a Samaritan happened to be passing by. If you don't know anything about the history between the Jews and the Samaritans, I'll give you a brief summary. They did not like each other. That's it. That's a brief history right there. So you learned something today. This is history class, History 101 with Professor Stephen. The illustration picks up in Matthew 10:33. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him back to the inn where he took care of him. At the end of the illustration, Jesus asked the Pharisee which man he thought was a neighbor to the man who was beaten. Obviously, the Pharisee replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Jesus not only wants us to love others regardless of their race, gender, upbringing, political or religious viewpoints, but he says we are to show them mercy. We are to forgive and to forget and to not bring up a past offense again. Because in the end, the Lord will judge as he sees according to whoever is standing before him. That's not our job. Because how can we spread the gospel if no one wants to be around us? Because we're too busy picking who we want to love and who we want to judge. That's, once again, not our job. Our task... Our privilege is to love our neighbor. So take a look around. You got a neck, you can move. Take a look around you. Yeah, that person to your right, that's your neighbor. And the person to your left, hey, that's your neighbor too. The people in front of and behind you, they're your neighbors. Balcony dwellers, these people down here are your neighbor. People down here, those balcony dwellers are your neighbor. Adults, these youth right here are your neighbor, and you, you youths, these adults, these adults are your neighbor, my cousin Vinny reference. Church, church, everyone, everyone that we come into contact with inside and outside of this building is our neighbor, and we are called to love them just as Jesus loves us unconditionally, that's when you say preach to Right there. We are called to love others unconditionally. We are to show them mercy, so that when it is our time to stand before the Lord, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. Time out. The first statement is love God. Out of all the ways God has shown his love for us, sending Jesus to the cross was by far the first and best way. But why? Why would the creator of everything deem us sinners worthy of such a gift? The apostle Paul writes these words about himself in Romans chapter 7, and maybe, maybe they apply to us. The law is good then. The trouble is not with the law, but with me, because I am sold into slavery, with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong, and my conscience shows me that I agree that the law is good. But I can't help myself, because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten, through and through, so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do what is right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I am doing what I I don't want to do, I am not the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it. So, how can we love God while sin is still in our lives? How how can we love God? How is that possible? Well, the answer, the answer is fairly simple. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand the answer. You don't have to wear horn rim glasses, a white lab coat, and a pocket protector. You don't need. It's it's not a it's not a super deep theological answer. Something that you, you have to sit down and really, really think about. The answer is simply this. God loved you first. 1 John 4, 7-10 through 10 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God, does not, does not love, does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life through Him. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Lamentations 3, 22-23 says, The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By His mercies we have been kept from complete destruction great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. You know what that means? You woke up this morning. Good morning, God. Hey, fresh mercy. You go to bed tonight. You wake up tomorrow morning. Good morning, God. Hey, fresh mercy. You go to bed. You wake up Tuesday morning. Hey, good morning, God. I got something for you. What is it? Take a guess. Is it fresh mercies? Bingo, fresh mercies. Proverbs 8:17 says, "I love all who love me. Those who search for me will surely find me. God loves you so much that it is not possible for him to love you any more than he already does. He loves you so much. He's our God who, who puts an arm around us when we're sad, who encourages us when we're, when we got the blues, who gets excited. When we get excited, you guys ever been excited about something? Let me tell you what I'm excited about. The new Batman movie in 111 days. I'm excited. 111 days. I'm excited. I'm saving a seat for Jesus right next to me. Be like, dude, we're watching this movie. It's going to be great. I can cry. It's going to be great. Seriously, I'll probably cry. You should have seen me when I saw the trailer. I bawled. But anyways... Out of all the things God created, you are his pride and joy. Ephesians 2.10 says that you and I are his masterpiece. Whew. That is pretty amazing. God says we are his masterpiece. And that he loves us unconditionally. When's the, when's the last time someone like shook your hand and just told you straight to your face that God loved you? Do you guys remember that? Has that... You know what, dude? God loves you. God loves you. Hey, God loves you, man. Hey, Bob. God loves you. God loves you. How's it going? God loves you. Hey, God loves you guys, too. God loves you. How's it going? Hey, God loves you. I better go to this side. Hey, God loves you. Cole, God loves you, dude. Hey, how's it going? God loves you. God loves you. Bob, yeah, God loves you, too. God loves you. Hey, everyone in the balcony. Can you guys hear me? God loves you. Everyone in the balcony. Hey, big Dave. And Betsy, God loves you. Turn to your neighbor, tell him God loves him. If you need to, give him a hug, but don't hug me, please. A church led by God is led by love. But how are we to love God if we cannot love each other? You see, God is fully aware of the discord and disagreements here at Griffith First Christian and every other First Christian church out there. He knows everything that we say behind people's backs and behind closed doors. And the scripture says that he knows what's really in our hearts and he knows our secret thoughts. So the question we have to ask ourselves today as a family is, is Griffith First Christian being led by love? 1 John 314 15 says, If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another Christian is a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. 1 John 4, 20-21 If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see, how can we love God whom we have never seen? Ouch. Them's harsh words. But how true they are. How can we love God whom we have never seen with our physical eyes, like like I'm looking at Aaron, I've never seen God like that, When we can't love our neighbor. Another question. Is the church being led by the Spirit? Often in the Bible, when the Holy Spirit shows up in a person, place, or event, things change. Things, Things just get crazy. They get amazing. So is it time, perhaps for the Spirit to come in and change things? I'm going away to college, hopefully in September. I hope that's real wood. And I would love, love to come back and see that this congregation was being led by love and being changed and challenged by the Spirit daily. My dream for this church is to have the love and the faith that is shown in Acts chapter 2 and What also gets me excited, other than Batman, is that Sean is getting ready to preach a sermon series on the Church of Acts. I was like, "Woo!" and I found out. I was excited. Um, And in fact, when I get out of uh, college with my shiny new degree, I will be looking for a church that is specifically trying to achieve what Acts chapter 2 had. That's what they want to do. This is their goal. This is who they are. Let me read this to you. Acts chapter 2, 44 through 47. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and shared with everyone in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. In short, the church of Acts, chapter 2, loved God, loved others. They spread the gospel. And what happened? The Lord added to their group daily. Daily. Not weekly, not monthly, not once in a blue moon, not every other quarter moon. Daily. Wow. Daily. So take a look at that. Take a look at that mission statement. Because now it should be more than just words. It should mean something. Can we, as a congregation, love God, love others, and spread the gospel? I think we can. I think we can. As we prepare to close... Here are some action steps to put into practice. Now, when I, when I say action steps, I promised my brother I was going to do this. So if you've seen Saturday Night Live, you'll know exactly what I'm doing. Here's some action steps to put into practice. There. Number one. Number one. Make sure to tell at least one person sometime this week that God loves them because it may be the absolutely 100% true thing they need to hear this week. You never know. Number two, make sure to tell, I already read that, seek out someone who hurt you or someone you hurt and offer a sincere apology. Forgive, forget, and move on. Number three, make time to tell God each day that you love him because it's only because of Christ's sacrifice That we are able to be here today. And if you haven't noticed, Christ dying and coming back from the dead has been a reoccurring thing throughout this entire time I've been up here. I wonder why. God loves you very much. If we love God, the Bible says he will surely love us back. His love will enable others in and out of this building to be able to spread the gospel Oh my goodness, when we apply this mission statement to our hearts, things are going to get amazingly cool. Praise to you, can come back up. I'm almost done talking. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, now's the time to do it. If you have been worshiping with us for a while, and you like what you see, and you want to come worship with us every week... Hey, that's cool. Come on up. If you you have a prayer, if you need something, if you need prayer, come up. This is the time to do it. For those of you who are not members of the congregation, for those of you who have not been baptized, do it now. Because not only does God love you, but God is getting ready to do some amazing, amazing things here. The spirit is getting ready to move. He's like he's like, a, like those racing horses in the gates, just waiting for the gate to open. He's waiting. He's waiting. And when the gate opens, it's boom, and he's gone. So are we going to be able to hang on for the ride? Because you're more than welcome to come along. I can't wait. I'm going to school in September, but I'm going to hang on as long as I possibly can. So uh, let's we'll stand together and sing.